Fight Club. Today uh, we are joined, of course, by Rob Stone, faithful co-host. How are you, Rob? Faithful I'm great. People, super excited <laughs> for the waves of the people. <laughs> Blow them kisses. <laughs> All right, and today, yeah, we've got uh, Matt Tejan. Um, welcome. Thanks for being here. We're excited Hello. to chat with you <laughs> um, on on a lot of different topics, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you you keep some? Uh, you keep uh, your mastics now, right? Or yeah, I'm getting you... into got into your mastics about a year ago. Yeah, yep. how's that project going for you? Good. I only have one adult pair or two adult pairs, so I'm huh. not breeding too much. Uh, I do have eggs from Moroccans that I got. Oh, cool. I'm hoping they're fertile, but yeah, they're not looking too promising at the moment. And then <laughs> going to be trying Yemenensis this year too. Which is exciting. They're one of the probably the rarest in the U.S. right now. Yeah, nice. That's cool. Um, and you still work with a lot of uh, monitors and geckos as well, or you no monitors at the moment? That? I need uh, to yeah. get those back in, but uh, <laughs> mostly nephris and a pair of saltuaris thalabrosis. I hatched a, okay. my first baby of those in December. Oh, cool. That's doing great. Yeah. How big are your adults? Oh, they're pretty good. Size. Inches, they're huge. Yeah. yeah. They're an impressive. <laughs> they're, I still remember. Cool gecko, yeah. Yeah. I saw one in uh, Rob Porter's collection over in Queensland and I saw him like, wow, that's a, that's a big gecko. Yeah. They're big. <laughs> they're pretty impressive. Yeah. I'd seen Cornutus in the wild, the, um, mm-hmm. up in, uh, Cairns area. Those are pretty, pretty amazing geckos, but yeah, yeah, I like the leaf tails. I've got a pair of Amnicola, the, Riverine leaf yeah, tails. Nice. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, fun stuff. There's a lot of cool, cool, too many cool reptiles. I, I too always many. say that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you you are working with some monitors still at the zoo. <laughs> you, yep. You've uh, you've accomplished a pretty <laughs> impressive feat there. <laughs> yeah, I work with my favorite animal, the parentes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, those. we we share a favorite animal. I <laughs> uh, yeah. freaking love parentes. They're so cool. That's awesome. How are the the babies? You got how many babies you hatch out? Hatched eight. Yep. Oh, man. So that's cool. Bunch of yeah, nine. One died huh. partly through incubation, and the rest made okay. it. So that's awesome. Yep. They're all still kicking. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Just looking you, for other institutions to take them. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> downside, I guess, is when you produce yeah. them, you gotta find an outlet for them. How how many do you have on like exhibit at the, the zoo? Uh, just one baby now. We had two, but they got too big for that exhibit. So now we only have one baby, and then the male is on display big too. Boy. Old uh, tripod. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so I uh, visited the zoo. What was that? Maybe 2018, 2019? just before the pandemic hit. The year before. Yep. COVID. We had, yeah, we haven't had him long either. Yeah. Did he have a? Yeah, still have his foot when you saw him. Oh, no, no, he had okay. the. Then yeah, it was probably 2019. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> my my sense of time is not great. I don't have good time <laughs> yeah. either. Yeah, I I kind of base everything off my last trip to Australia, so <laughs> or or trips to Australia. So I went in 2016. So <laughs> it's it was somewhere between 2016 and 2023. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was uh that was really cool. So Matt showed us around uh the the zoo. Um, Henry Dorley Zoo, and that's in uh, Omaha, Omaha, Omaha. yeah, yep. Nebraska. 
one of the I, I think it's probably my favorite zoo in the country. I I really like it. Yeah, it's a zoo. good one. Yeah. The Desert Dome is like my dream. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's the coolest <laughs> display ever. Um so yeah, what's your what's your role at the zoo? Um a lead keeper of reptiles. So okay. I'm yeah, I'm a reptile keeper of everything in the dome, including the kingdoms of the night. Nice. That's very the, cool. The other reptiles around the the zoo are taken care of by the keepers of those buildings, but mm-hmm. we do uh, we'll quarantine them and then send them off to those in, those other buildings. So very cool. We're kind of the go to reptile keepers, but yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. You guys have a great collection too. Really, uh, I mean, you kind of cover different deserts, right? The Desert Dome is is how many yeah, four different three, regions? Three, three different regions. But, so yeah, you guys, Namib in Africa. And it's supposed to be the red center of Australia, but eh, we kind of <laughs> fudged that a little bit. And then Venora. Uh, so. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Really, really cool displays. Everything's kind of, some things are just walking freely among the people. Um, yeah. It's other a fully immersive are, building. Yeah. Yep. So we have a giant sand dune is what you walk into because the MIB is where you walk in and the MIB has the largest, you know, sand dunes in the world. So we got to showcase that. You have a massive mountain to your left. You yeah. Walk a, a rock trail through a canyon, and then you go into the reptile caves where most of our Namib and Australia exhibits are. And then you walk out to a fake Uluru and Wave Rock, <laughs> and into Sonora. So pretty cool, yeah, incredible it's, it's building, thirteen-story geodesic dome. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, you took us up on top of the the rocks too. There were some some. Uh, off exhibit animals up there and yep so yeah the <laughs> yeah. main that huge mountain is actually a three-story building which <laughs> we have holding in so it's hiding yeah. a three-story building <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool pretty cool seriously the dream it's the stuff dreams are made of for any <laughs> reptile enthusiast for sure um now so why uh why are you guys fudging? Why there's so many cool animals from the Red Center? <laughs> You've got some frill America. lizards, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, you can't get them. <laughs> you gotta get what you can get, you know. Yeah, so. that's true. It is a pain to bring anything out to of find Australia. anything from the Red Center in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. yeah even if you're a zoo, huh? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that can be a a big headache <laughs> for sure. Yeah, not uh, even not just on our end, but trying to find somebody on the other end to deal with the headaches is probably yeah. the hardest part. <laughs> it is. Sometimes they'll they'll be eager to trade for things like rattlesnakes and stuff like that. So yeah, there's yeah. I think there's a couple of zoos that have import exports for Australia, but the I mean the cost of that, and then there's few and far between when we actually make those trades and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh that's cool. And you've done a few trips over there too. That's uh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, the cool. WA in 2019, and then. Just got back from the Northern Territory just in November. Yeah. Yeah. That's Thanksgiving, a, I guess. I came back. <laughs> did a couple Justin trips. Yep. <laughs> Rob and I kind of <laughs> have uh, different views on <laughs> setting up a trip. <laughs> I like to cover as much ground as possible, and Rob focuses a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we did cool. the, the entire Northern Territory, north to south, basically. Mm-hmm. So Darwin all the way to the Uluru. That's cool. Trip. So how many years worth of PTO did you use? That's my question. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do get, they probably give us too much PTO, but like, mm-hmm. it was three week trip. We're pretty well off on PTO. I think we're pretty lucky. Uh, cool. And then I have a, an awesome crew willing to, to 
take my place when I'm gone. So take care of my animals and everything. I do feel awesome. bad though, but <laughs> I don't take a lot of days off besides that. Nice. So. So in another three years, I'll do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Where's your uh, next trip, uh, do you think? I think we're thinking South Australia. Okay. Sierra wants to dive with sharks. We have to do that and then go hobbit. Uh (laughs) We just did. Like uh... Siri thinks I was talking (laughs) to her. (laughs) (laughs) We just did whale sharks down in Baja. That was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it was... uh great experience that's that was on my bucket list for a long time but very fun um is that like great whites and stuff down south australia yeah so it'll be a a case drive with great whites oh nice pretty cool (laughs) yeah it would (laughs) yep as long as they don't jump in the cage with you or something (laughs) yeah they're Um, impressive animals did you see that giant one that they found recently the um big blue or whatever she's this huge i think she's the longest recorded or or um, filmed great white in the wild. Uh, That's cool. I think size of a school bus or something twice as heavy and she was pregnant or gravid. So pretty, uh, no, amazing. I saw they People just found were... the, they just got the first footage ever of a newborn. Great. Yeah. White. Yeah. Drone that footage. That's pretty cool. interesting. Yeah. The article that yeah. that guy wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty crazy. It's amazing how much we don't know, especially when it comes to the ocean. The ocean, we don't know anything about it. (laughs) Yeah. Other than we're killing it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, true. Overfishing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And just, I mean, seeing, you know, the the whale sharks and the um, humpback whales and just thinking how much krill that takes to feed those things. And it's insane. Like, just crazy. Yeah. Cool stuff. What what else are you looking to see in South Australia? You have any big targets down there? Uh, no huge targets that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bill and I would be cool. Yeah, over there maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet. <laughs> she said <laughs> she wants to do that for Great Whites, and then yeah, I'll figure that out. I've got a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's a uh, ample time to plan for it. Yeah. Let me know. I I can maybe share some notes with you. I had yeah. a pretty fun trip down there, despite not seeing my three main targets, but we got some cool stuff otherwise. But really yeah. cool spot, really neat place to be. So and I probably wasn't over there at the best time of year, but you got to give it yeah, a shot guess, if you're over yeah, there. Yeah, Wilma's, Wilma's will be up there. I haven't seen a Wilma yet. Yeah. I need to see one of those. We went and looked up in, in one spot. Um, it looked like good habitat i, I think mean, you have to drive a little bit north still though. yeah yeah it was oh. a bit of a drive we were worried we weren't gonna Maybe we'll be drive able to... back to uluru <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a, yeah that would be a little bit more of a drive we, <laughs> we were thinking about that like should we just yeah. go up to alice springs it's, like it's right there <laughs> it's gonna, it's, yeah it's gonna be a little warmer up there too but yeah. <laughs> it is a long long way from where we were <laughs> but uh yeah cool cool too many cool places over there for sure uh, yeah it's too big too many things yeah. to see Yep. Oh, I'm I'm waiting on eggs. I haven't gotten any eggs this year yet, other than some crested geckos in my office that won't stop laying eggs. <laughs> um, they're uh, just very prolific. I don't know how somebody does those full time and just sells crested geckos. It's crazy, but they're fun. But yeah, I'm. Uh, I stopped uh, collecting eggs for a little while, but I've got some really nice red ones, so I 
picked up a few of their eggs the other week. Just I'm like, ah, they're they're there, so I might as well grab them. But they're they're yeah. fun little geckos for sure. Um, and then uh, waiting on it, eggs from blackheads, womas, uh, some carpets. Looks like one of the inlands is gonna lay soon. Could be a decent year. So nice, yeah, fun stuff. But, um, yeah. So I guess. Uh, Let's maybe have you talk a little bit more about, you know, your role in herpetoculture and, and uh, where you fit in and kind of where you came from, where you're headed. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm a zookeeper, been a reptile keeper for 15 years now. So started in Did Omaha. you start at Henry Dorley? Oh, okay. Yep, started in Omaha, yeah. then I went to Phoenix for a few years and I came back. Okay. So yeah, Phoenix is where I met Steve. Yeah. and friends <laughs> so yeah that's cool and, and then he followed you to omaha right yep or, he yeah. followed me to omaha yeah Little love and story bailed on you there <laughs> yeah. and then he left me again <laughs> but yeah yeah oh, uh, steve's a cool guy he'd be fun to work with for sure <laughs> yeah he was he's fun yeah. uh but other than that yeah i started keeping seriously Reptile seriously, probably in 2009, after I became a zookeeper. But when I was a kid, I kept a leopard gecko and a bearded dragon. After watching one episode of Steve Irwin, Croc Hunter, I got a yeah. leopard gecko. <laughs> um, and then immediately started running around my, my town, catching garter snakes and everything. So uh, it was a huge inspiration in getting me into this. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, after I started keeping or became a zookeeper, I got into breeding stuff started with blue tongues the urinjaya and northern blue tongues bred those mm-hmm. and i got into blood pythons and bred those for a couple of years and then i got into got some monitor lizards uh i did ackies and uh, gill and i and tristis uh, that's cool and then i i moved i sold most everything for when i went to phoenix just uh, for money and space I kept Nephris and Gil and I, though, when I moved. I did those for a few more years. And now, yeah, Nephris has been a staple for many years, over 10 years. Uh, And, yeah, now I'm getting into your Mastics, too. So, see where that goes. Yeah. But I need more monitors in my life, though. I'm missing them at home, even (laughs) though I get a fill at work. But, yeah, they're my favorite, so. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's hard to beat a monitor. They're just so cool. Yeah. Although they they do take a lot more energy and attention yeah. than yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're high yeah. high octane. Yeah, yeah I'm working sure. on a working on an enclosure now, hoping to get some pilperensis oh, maybe nice. this year. Yeah, those are probably my second favorite monitor. <laughs> they're oh, yeah. so cool. They're I love awesome. The <laughs> Rob Rob differs a little bit in that. Uh, what viewpoint? He no, they just hide. <laughs> At least, I mean, maybe if you have a very expressive male. That'll be great, but uh, yeah. uh, Glower and I dominate Pilbarensis every day, you know, and twice on Sunday. So, uh, I mean, Glower and I are essentially at least. So the only Parentes I've seen beyond the one that uh, t- the one I saw up at Terry's place, the uh, the only ones that I've seen was Scott over at Scott and Ties on the last trip to Australia. They had a whole handful that are probably four foot or so, and my instant reaction was, "Wow, that's just a really overgrown Glower eye. Uh, that'll definitely take a finger, you know, for no doubt about that. So, um, Pilbarensis, I don't know. 
that just was my experience with six or seven of them. It's just that they would, they weren't very, they were very reclusive and wouldn't uh, kind of put themselves out there. And as a, as opposed to a glower die that'll sit like it's sitting in a recliner and just say, Hey, what's up, dude? Um, <laughs> I don't know. From a personality standpoint, I found glower die to be uh, the, the superior monitor. Lizard, so. I don't know. I chasing them around in Western Australia. They were pretty bold. They were out there. They, you know, I sat and followed one for, good long while well maybe all the u.s to... captive pilbarensis aren't really right they're these weird mutants <laughs> yeah. from the off the highway or whatever and uh, <laughs> which or, you would think the bold ones would be the ones more likely to get caught but right uh, yeah i don't know but they they were fun i did you see any while you're over there matt uh hammersleyensis okay yep. yeah awesome yeah yeah we got both of both the hammersleyensis and the pilbarensis and they were both really cool yeah the hammersleyensis like just sat there and entertain me for a good you know hour or yeah. so and just walking around sat and bassed right out in the open and yeah they're really fun we saw, saw a few of those uh, on two separate trips and then a bunch of handful of pilbarenses although when i was with uh steve on on the second trip uh we we only saw one and i was clear up on the the hillside when i saw it and so steve and mike didn't get to see it but they they did get to see the hammersleyensis up close pretty well they sat and yeah behaved for us so <laughs> i'd love to see them i mean don't get yeah. me wrong we'll have to yeah. integrate that into a trip to to go see them but just as a captive animal yeah Although, I, I would hopefully we'll see glower die uh, yeah kakadu that'd be cool that's see the a... MT glower die big goal for me and and after rob and these guys leave i'm gonna head over to western australia and go uh, over to lake argyle that area and try to find a, a glowered eye over in that spot too so we'll see see if i can get lucky see both types <laughs> i imagine they're probably different species the the two i think probably types. so yeah, type but... is crazy yeah yeah, yeah. they're more tree dwelling whereas the Western Australian ones are more saxicolous and I don't know, lots of work to do. I think in the monitors, I'm I'm not really happy about them sinking Barici and doing all that <laughs> stuff. I don't, that group, man, they just rub me the wrong way. They're doing all sorts of weird stuff yeah. with taxonomy. So hopefully somebody comes along that knows things a little better or knows these things out in the wild and can change that back or <laughs> I don't know, do it a little more. Or as ever, as you know, right, I mean, taxonomy, talk about something where you make a case and I can buy it or not, you know, sure. and, and I understand yeah. the whole world can move on, but that doesn't mean that I have to accept that. And papers that are properly uh, written will explicitly say that, right? Mm -hmm. Rentrophus for life. It's, you know, we can disagree. Mm -hmm. They're not Ganyasoma. They're, yeah. they're just not. You, <laughs> the paper says, you know, that you could choose A, B, or C. You've chosen A and I've chosen C, and that's a like we can all learn to be okay with that. We don't have to be pedants who just insist, no, this person somewhere said this and this is what we're going to do. Yeah. That's not yeah. how it works. Well, it seems like most people <laughs> adopt it once it's, you know, in a paper. All I think of a just you because see... they find it easy though, not because yeah. it's actually compelling. Maybe they haven't even read the paper because yeah. if they did read the paper, the pa they would acknowledge that the paper <laughs> says, Oh, it could be a B or C and yeah. our approach, our, sort of politic that we're bringing to this is to take to choose option a so it fundamentally says that so i would just mm -hmm. say that most people that are strongly say vehemently presenting oh no it has to be this because the paper said did you actually read the paper <laughs> did you understand what the paper said i'm going to guess the answer to either one or both is no yeah, yeah. ready to go tonight <laughs> yeah 
Rob's coming in hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it, I mean, it can be, it can be a challenging thing. I just, I get frustrated because it seems to have no rhyme or reason. And sometimes, you know, you can take, take it however you want. It seems, you know, and just say, ah, I think this should be this way and make it. So here's enough you know, supporting data to do it. So I don't know. You can sink a, you know, hold subspecies and species into another and create some uh, more Simpson. I, which really doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then but. you can add a subspecies and create a new species just from a couple specimens out of New Guinea. I just think it's crazy, but that's my opinion and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> the beauty of science the beauty of taxonomy, I guess. Uh, well, do you, do you find it, uh, kind of challenging to keep privately as well as work at the zoo? Do you get, additional scrutiny being a keeper as well as a private keeper <laughs> i don't think so that's no a lot it's more work i mean you're bringing you're literally bringing your work home with you yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> right but yeah okay. i think i've trimmed down my collection a lot because yeah. of that but mm -hmm. i also wake up early so i get most of my husbandry done at home before i go to work so that way when i get home from exhausting work i can just relax yeah, that makes it easier on me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, any any plans for any more uh, cool species, or are you looking at new projects, or are you kind of happy with what um, you have? Yeah, just the pilbarensis. Mm -hmm. And then, for some reason, this past two weeks, I've for some reason want to get lyalis, <laughs> which I should probably talk myself out of because they're <laughs> lizard eaters, but yeah, <laughs> I've got heteronodia bouncing off the walls. So I can just, I figured, eh, feed them now. We'll see if I find them and actually keep them. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I'm just obsessed with that right now. They're yeah. awesome. They're That's cool. a cool idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. talk about a cool thing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Are you just looking at the New Guinea ones, the Jakarai or whatever? The Jakarai? Uh, right? Yeah. Those are, I've, Found those are probably the most available, but yeah. if a Bertonus falls out the sky, maybe I'll pick that up. Yeah, right. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that might be worth feeding lizards too if yeah. you could find a Bertonus. Yeah, yeah. I'm also curious yeah. if we can get them on those iguana reptilinks, or if that would work yeah. or not. Oh yeah, but that'd be much easier. Right, if it's scent or motion or yeah, yeah. 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 Know. yeah, who knows? Yeah, those uh, binos geckos are cool though. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I haven't I sold a single one though. I've been keeping oh, them really? for years. No one wants to buy them. So <laughs> whatever. <Yeah. laughs> That's too bad. They're, they're so cool. Even as feeders like, for those. Yeah. Pilgrances too. When I get uh, them. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I mean, they're nocturnal. So they hide. Yeah. How many people yell at me for that? But what yeah. are you going to do? They'll probably come out for that. that <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there you go. That's how you get to see them. <laughs> they're definitely yeah. a, a prey type species. We saw them all over the place yeah. in South Australia. They were like. Yep. You'd just be hiking and, oh, Gaira. Oh, yeah, and Bianca's a, found uh, many of them in the guts of even, like, parentes. Like, oh, really? I don't know what yeah. they're doing eating those little geckos, but, yeah. yeah a lot of the studies, much. like, yeah, heteronodia galore in their stomachs. So, yeah. <laughs> just flipping over yeah. a log on accident. Like, oh, I guess I'll pick that up. <laughs> uh -huh. Little popcorn. Yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 Yep. I, I'm not sure which one won. They're either more heteronosha or or, or the uh, yeah. Gahira. <laughs> I guess That's, the Gahira yep. were several different species, but it seemed like mm -hmm. wherever we went, there were several Gahira and several heteronosha. Yep. So, 
cool geckos though it's it's fun yeah. i i'm really enjoying keeping them i you know they're easy i don't yeah i stopped picking out the eggs because they just hatch there's the hardiest eggs i've ever seen like yeah. just leave them in the enclosure in the they're sand they kind of those pick them out when they're running but they'll still hatch <laughs> on the surface of the substrate nice yeah so, well I'll they're see. simple <laughs> see if i can get them to hatch out on the in the enclosure <laughs> yeah yeah don't yeah. bother taking the eggs out that's what i'd say <laughs> Uh, I'll have to uh, pick your brain a little bit, see how you're keeping them and see, how, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. But, um, yeah, I'm enjoying them for sure. So I guess, uh, you know, based on your cool trips, we wanted to get you on here and talk about, uh, you know, herping and, and kind of, uh, photography. You take some really great shots. And so wanted to kind of pick your brain. Yeah. So today we're going to be discussing kind of the pros and cons or the, you know, should you, shouldn't you, uh, pose them in, you know, pose them in a naturalistic setting or should you just take it, take, take the photos as found or, you know, kind of setting up animals and the pros and cons to that. So, um, that sound like a, a reasonable topic. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and, uh, flip the coin between, uh, Rob and I see who gets to fight you tonight. So go ahead and call it Rob. Heads. It is tails. <laughs> um, I, I think, I mean, you came in a little hot today. I think you're, you're in a fighting mood. So, and and you're also a very, uh, um, how shall we put this, uh, dedicated photographer. <laughs> we usually, uh, leave Rob on the side of the road with the snake and go drive some more and <laughs> come back. So I think you'd be a good one to, to talk about this topic. So I'll let you, uh, uh fight with Matt tonight. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. And then, uh, Matt, you want to call it for which side you want to take? Tails. It is tails. So you get to choose which side you want to defend. So to pose or not to pose? I'll go that is posing. the question. Okay. You'll <laughs> pose them. <laughs> All right. Well, um, and as the winner of the coin toss, you can decide if Rob goes first or if you want to go first. Uh, I'll hear what Rob has to say. Okay. <laughs> Awesome. Well, so this actually, this circumstance, right, gives me the opportunity to kick off with the diatribe from last, that I was started to go into last week. I don't All remember right. if it was before <laughs> the episode or not or whatever. Yeah. Um, but a couple weeks ago, to find my Liper Eastern Diamondback Rattlesnake, uh, we'd gone to uh, an island off the west coast of Florida, um, which, you know, in winter, right, the thought being that uh, we're probably going to get especially in those insular habitats you're going to get, in, especially in juveniles, there really probably isn't the thermal mass on an island to allow them to cool in the same way that you would get. And recognizing that all of Florida, right, is we're not talking about a great level of depth of depth of substrate. But in terms of just the surface mass that we're talking about, I think on those island in the island or coastal populations, it's that much less so that absent being large adults, they're probably not really fully estivating over the winter. And especially come January and February, those animals probably look worse for wear. And so that comes from two different things, right? I think basically they're getting their water. There isn't a ton of fresh water in those locations. So we're getting it from uh, dew. But if we're talking, it's one thing if we say, okay, below 68, right, Peter Netchef, uh, so that an animal can be out and then they're below the dew point. Dew will form on them and all their their surrounds and all this stuff. Um that's that's one way, but if it's 45 or 50 degrees, an animal probably doesn't want that dew effect to then cool its core temperature 
right, in the way that we would get at those temperatures. So it's one thing to do it when it's August or September, and we're talking a nighttime low of 65. It's a whole nother if we're talking 45. Uh, the other part of it, right, they're getting it from prey, but based on the prey that I'm seeing, they're probably not getting, with the cloud cover uh, that happens there and not being at elevation, they're not getting the diurnal, uh, the, you know, daytime highs, especially the spot basking daytime highs that would allow them to eat the food that they would see, right? So in juveniles, they're going to be out basking, trying to survive. But come January and February, half the ones on iNaturalist look worse for wear. And certainly the one that we saw looked worse for wear. <laughs> the question is, so you, you take this photo, right, and you can – Owen, I love Owen. Owen took terrible photos of this animal, and it looked terrible. It made it look – far worse than it even the condition even was right <laughs> whereas my photo i i think i was pretty happy with that picture and i think i think it both show illustrated the condition but without being like oh my god is like a coach whip that we saw in west texas where well that was the one coach whip in my life that it was easy enough to walk up on because i mean heck the thing was you know probably be dead the next day or whatever right that wasn't the case with this animal instead to me right so i get all this sort of feedback especially off owen's photos of like yeah no wonder you could find the thing because it was going to die tomorrow <laughs> That wasn't the case with this – like it was certainly super responsive and definitely, it, you know, totally uh, calm, never an indication that it would try and strike, maybe it gave a single rattle, all this stuff. But the point is that that, that being a juvenile in that state, instead it was showing itself as being the most awesome representative of how they can survive in those conditions, right? This is an animal being tried. It will survive. This is just what that population has to go through, what they have to undergo, Right. And so I'm getting this feedback saying, oh, well, you found the thing that was going to die or whatever. And while I admit, right, that there's a, a part of your brain looks at it and says, I want to have the beautiful animal that everyone will think is beautiful, taken in the most beautiful frame and all this stuff. This isn't a conversation that you want to have. But as I'm sitting there in the airport, because I had to take Owen five or six hours before I'd gone, so I had plenty of time to think on this issue. Um, I was like, I'm actually, I was thrilled. As I thought it through, I was thrilled with the animal that I got because it exemplified the strength and resilience of that animal in that population and what they have to go through, despite not being sort of the picture perfect. What anyone who just happened to scroll through it on Instagram or see on the website or whatever would say, oh, wow, that's amazing. I would, the, you know, sort of the, the textbook image. Instead, as I thought about it, this is the textbook. This is them showing what they can be, what they can do, what they have to do to survive. This is the survivor that I want to be the photo, right? And if someone can't appreciate that subtlety, I don't know that that's really the audience I'm looking for. So that'll be my kickoff. Unfortunately, the way this lined up, it put me right into the thing. And uh, here we go. We'll see what you got. Yeah, so I was going to talk about the completely opposite audience that you just talked about. <laughs> the entire, because, yeah, the entire reason I started uh, investing in my time and money into photography was to show the haters the true beauty of these animals. Hmm. Uh, and I feel you thought the only, the best way to do that is to capture the the most beautiful picture of them I can. That's the whole reason I got into photography and the whole reason I'm trying to get better and better at it is so I can make them look as good as they can. That's why I, I mostly do white and black background stuff because I want them to be the the ultimate subject of that image and for haters that say they're ugly and gross can see their literal their literal living pieces of art i mean their colors their patterns and all that nothing's hidden in the a plain background just that gorgeous animal then you can pose them and show their 
in their, their entire habitat, too, with a wide-angle lens, which I just tried to figure out on this last trip. <laughs> I've never done that before. <laughs> that just now you can show how their gorgeous habitat and everything plus them in it. Like I don't know. I don't think there's any beating that. But yeah, what you said, if you're looking at us reptile nerds, what you're you're talking about is is also good to see. Uh, yeah, my explanation isn't as long-winded as yours because I I don't know how to do that. But <laughs> we're all stuck. <laughs> no, I think no, I love a, it. You're you're yeah, far more concise. Point. Yeah, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. And certainly, all the, the sort of the the macro imagery and sort of the highly focused. I certainly agree. You know that it is art, right? And they they are exceptional and beautiful. Um, and I would imagine that it is compelling for folks, right? That just that don't see the subtle distinctions or even sort of the reticulations in the parenti when you're, you got headshots of all the different hatchlings and as you're growing them up at the zoo and all this stuff that like, it, it truly is, they're all individually unique pieces of artwork. And, and I can certainly appreciate that, uh, that point, you know, I, and admittedly, right. I guess the, the other context, although this mostly happens in the, uh, my less preferred herping method, I'm maybe, you know, and Justin has maybe more effectual. I'll admit that, but, you know, I love to hike up an animal as opposed to either road cruising or flipping garbage, flipping tin, whatever. That's just not my, my preference. Certainly, if the options are you can see an animal or not see it, fine, you know, if that's what we have to do. But in terms of spending day after day working through this stuff, I mean, that was sort of the brutality of Florida in the fall is that it's, oh, well, what do you do? You cruise dirt roads, and it's like, oh, my gosh, man, after a couple of days of that, it that, that wears you. And if I guess the the point that I always come back to with that, right, is that it's like people who aren't interested in seeing animals, be it birds or reptiles or whatever, will go on a hike and just hike in this beautiful environment. Uh, very few of them would spend, I don't know, 20 hours over two and a half or three days cruising, you know, driving at 10 miles an hour on dirt roads uh, just over and over, right, to not see animals. So in the one con- in in the first context, if you don't see anything, well, you still got out to do things that other people, normal people, quote, um, go out and do just for the heck of it. Uh, the latter, you better be seeing stuff or that's just brutal. <laughs> So bring it into this context, I guess the thing that it you know reminds me of certainly if we're talking about flipping uh literal garbage that people didn't want to pay to take to the dump uh and taking a photo in that and saying like, "Oh, they're under this recliner or whatever admittedly that's certainly my own personal preference would be to pose that uh maybe ten feet away in a more naturalistic setup or in the road cruising example, take it off of the road and put it into whatever that habitat might look like, even if it's just you know, two foot long dead grass, that's still preferable to to the road shot to me. So I will certainly give you that point. I have no interest in defending <laughs> defending <laughs> that beyond, I suppose, saying being instructive, as I say, for the, the herp, potential herpers out there of saying like, yeah, uh, I know Eric had made this comment the first time we went to Australia that he kept looking in the buttress roots of trees, um, expecting <laughs> snakes to be coiled neatly inside those buttress roots. And uh, I guess that kind of gets at this dynamic is that, well, in Australia, particularly where you're not supposed to be touching them, having the containment that's offered by either, you know, two-thirds or three-quarters uh, by those buttress roots, that's often selected. But those photos don't necessarily represent where those animals were found. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it takes a little corralling to get them in there, doesn't it? Yeah, to just let them crawl on their own <laughs> and follow them. <But laughs> now, we, I... Um, 
I think about, you know, kind of in, in regards to Matt's point with, uh, you're probably seeing Ross McGivens, uh, photography. Yeah. That dude's um, crazy. He right. probably has a 15 millimeter <laughs> lens that he shoves yeah. in the face of a lap. and says, I'm going to ask him. But I yeah. mean, his, his <laughs> pictures are just fantastic. And I mean, I, I think to, to Rob's point too, is, you know, if you're hiking for them, you're probably going to see them in more pristine habitat and get that opportunity to see, you know, but I, but I think, you know, that seeing them on that stark white background, I always love those, uh, was it DK books that the kids books that always have the animals mm, on yeah. white backgrounds. I love those books for that per- reason, because it just shows just off how cool yeah. they are. Yeah. So I think, uh, both of those first points are, are really, uh, important and, and, Good to good to think about for sure. Yeah, well, um, got another point yeah. for us. <laughs> Me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like, yeah, nobody wants to see snake on the road. Uh, I have some elapids on roads that I'm probably never going to post because <laughs> that's. The only pictures I got of them because I'm not gonna wasn't gonna mess around with those and have fake equipment or anything, yeah. and I'm not a crazy Aussie that just walks up and picks those things up. So, <laughs> but I think it depends. Yeah, I think on that's the fair. And even if yeah. if if they're half in focus, you're doing pretty well. I know the so um, when on our NT trip we had come upon a northern brown snake that uh, was out on the road. And the funny, the funny thing of that to me, and Justin, you have much more experience than Matt, maybe even you as well than than I do, because for whatever reason, and maybe it's what we're um, being sort of less of a point of focus, or whether it's just random chance or whatever. The, the observation I had was that, um, and presumably death adders would be different, but in terms of brown snakes and mulgas and things, that uh, brown snakes and black snakes, that um, pythons sit on the road. Whereas the the hot snakes are just like you come up on them and they're not sticking around. Mm-hmm. And then if you follow them, then they'll kind of bluff charge you and come back and then they'll try and leave again. And if you keep following them, then they'll do it again and get a little bit closer. And <laughs> it's sort of that was the dance we did with the northern brown snake so that, I mean, heck, if they're even half in focus, you're doing better than I did with that thing. Because it, eventually it reached the point where it was like, oh, and I, I think we've probably pushed this, this as far as we can go because it's coming closer and closer with its bluff charges so yeah our first king brown we came across that thing was just going after me like crazy (laughs) i was like oh it's sat still then just lunch like okay (laughs) i'll leave you alone buddy (laughs) (laughs) they have the funnest uh charges for sure like oh yeah yeah. it's crazy it's fun it definitely is fun the 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 last one we saw one just like on our last day in south australia and it was a pretty cool night so it was just at sunset and it was cooling down pretty rapidly and this giant you know mulga king brown was on the road and and uh we were taking pictures of it while it was on the dirt road and then it started crawling past me and he was kind of not you know he was moving kind of slow it was it wasn't very warm and so i just reached down and picked him up by the tail and he didn't like thrash or try to bite or anything he just kind of sat there and i carried him over off the road and set him down and then he did his kind of his mock uh, strike thing and yeah. it was a uh, pretty pretty exciting but yeah it's and those are the i don't know once in a while yeah. gibbon gets because he's sitting there with his <laughs> hand in front of its mouth just right. flicking away <laughs> uh, see and i have a, a 
ultra zoom. So <laughs> yeah, although it doesn't work great for uh, close up, I need to figure out how to use that thing for close up pictures of dangerous snakes. But <laughs> yeah, my my first snake in Australia was a death adder, and I was on this windy road up in the tablelands up near Cairns, and and I was. Uh, it was the first car I was driving in Australia. So I'm trying to get used to driving on the other side of the road. And then it was a stick shift. So I had to sh shift yeah. with my, my, uh, opposite hand, my left hand. And, and so I was trying to do like a four point turn on this narrow road and there's trucks, you know, blowing through there pretty, pretty, uh, scarily. And so I see the snake and it hadn't been hit. It was crawling. And so I hurried and turned around and luckily there was a pull off not far from where the snake was. So I parked the car and I run back and I'm like, Oh, it's a death adder. <laughs> Whoa. And I, I just grabbed a stick off the side of the road and kind of shoot it off the road. And then it starts, you know, flattening out and looking like a death adder. I didn't realize death adders weren't always fat, like flat snakes. They they look like a normal snake when they're crawling. Yeah. yeah death <laughs> so, adders are way, way easier to deal with. Yeah, death adders, you can sure. just move, move you off the road a little bit yourself with a stick. And then they'll just yeah. sit there and you can take some good shots of them. Yeah. And they pose nicely, too, because yeah, they're more they're defensive. Like, just kind of. Us being Americans are easier to, they're like, a, just sit like a viper and they're a lot easier yep. to, to gauge. The lapids can just turn on you real fast. For sure. But I, I think that's kind of a point that goes to Rob is, you know, the danger of it. You don't, you, it's, you know, unless you have the skill. I that's well, and yeah. I'm, yeah, I imagine <laughs> you've probably worked with venomous snakes in your capacity as a zookeeper, but, you know, the yeah. the captives in the zoo might be a little different animal than the ones in the hot uh, sun. <laughs> yeah, we have a king brown that's just nuts. Like, yeah, nobody likes pulling that guy. He <laughs> backs up, goes forward, backs up, goes forward, like uh -huh. <laughs> like hooking a, a very venomous limp noodle. Yeah. But, so do, do, does it make you, I guess, respect them more in the wild, or does it give you confidence to uh, handle them in the wild? Probably gives me more confidence, but not without a hook. That's the problem. Yeah. Is you can't take. Snake hooks to Australia as a foreigner, especially. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what that's doing on my car. That's a that's a rental. <laughs> yeah. It was it was there when I got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I we had uh our friends over there uh hook us up with some snake hooks. Yeah, so, yeah we that didn't have a, to bring them with us, but yeah, yeah that, that can help. be a, a pain. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so the yeah, venomous I mostly just let them do what they <laughs> kinda like, come on. I poke them on a stick, get them off the road at least, and then get run over. But yeah, that's all I did with those guys. My my first trip over was uh, to the center center of Australia, and we saw both a brown snake of some sort. But it was in the heat of the day, and it was like lightning. I mean, I didn't even mm -hmm. I didn't even get a I didn't even get a good look at it. You know, we saw it on the road, kind of crossing the road. We pulled over, jumped out of the car, ran, and it was just gone. Like we couldn't see it or you know, anything. And we thought, ah, it's probably some kind of brown snake, but we couldn't ID it either. So it was, you know, some, some random yeah. fast venomous elapid, but, yeah, <laughs> but then we saw a, a big mulga on the road and it was just sitting there and, and you'd kind of tap its tail and it would hood up and I'm trying to get pictures, but it, it was the same pattern as the, the road and like the same, same texture and color it and stuff. Focus and so, and stuff. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't get a good focus. So all my pictures of it are blurry, but then it, it took off, you know, just crawling away as fast as it could into the bush. And so then we kind of, and then it was under, under some piles of <laughs> debris. So, you know, not getting the best picture under that either, but I guess, you know, it was the experience that yeah. I, I always think of that, uh, 
Secret Life of Walter Mitty when the guy's got the snow leopard in his you know camera and he doesn't take the picture and he says that one's just for me. Sometimes I think it's not bad just to take a look at the animal, and not necessarily try to get a, the greatest picture of it. But. Yeah, that's purpose. We have to get our hands on everything. It's kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. weird. We <laughs> need to take right. a page out of the birders book right sometimes. Or just look at it. Drive yeah. 500 miles, look at a bird, say, got it. Mark it off on your book and leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, we yeah. like catching stuff. Yeah. Which is a, a check in my side. Catch it. That's Make true. it look That's good. True. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. Manipulate it. But I think also posed images, especially if uh, they're in situ, not in mm-hmm. situ, posed in situ, but it shows uh, people that are trying to make their enclosures at home. Maybe they have that species. They can get a look at the where this it's thing is just found, like yeah, five or ten feet away maybe if it's on the road or not, but gives everybody an idea that they want to make their enclosures naturalistic and look nice. Well, you can have it unposed, and then you just wind up with the Where's Waldo pictures. I don't love those on Instagram where it's, oh, can you see the snake and the thing? And it's like, okay, well, you're looking yeah. at a full-size photo and saying, like, oh, you can clearly see that it's this, you know, 5% of the picture. And it's like, dude, it, it goes down to two and a half by three inches on my phone. So, no, I, I, I can't see it. But that doesn't mean that I couldn't see it if I was looking at what you're looking at. But. Yeah. Sort of the same thing. And even more of the natural environment because you can't even see the animal half the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although to, the interesting thing to me, too, going back to the, the diamondback thing, although I've seen it with carpets, anything that sort of has a, a bandit, although in the diamondback pattern, right, it's the, the way that the diamonds sit is that when they're coiled, and you can really see it in that photo, and it's right, adamantius, the most distinctive feature is probably those um, pre- and post-ocular white stripes, right, is those, just looking at that photo, as it's got its head rested upon its coiled body, it's not it's not 100% perfect, but it's like 85% perfect, the line that runs from the one diamond into the, uh, the facial pattern into the diamond on the other side of the curl. Hmm. And I know when if you're looking at... Uh, I taken a picture of a Darwin carpet, you know, here that um, a couple of years ago, and that's when I really noticed that all those bands essentially create singular lines into different directions on that coiled pattern, and it really spoke to me, uh, either posed or unposed. I think in either way, you know, those, what those photos can do, and certainly your photos do this, Matt, is that you can notice. Okay, well, that's probably both. It's a camouflaging factor, and it's a um, directional confusion for a potential predator, right? Where it's like having that banding pattern that oscillates in these different directions, you have no idea if you if you didn't have a focal point on the eye, where even is the head? Where is that thing going? Where is it, what's its potential direction of escape or whatever? Um, and either posed or unposed, I think looking at photos with that sort of critical eye of saying, what is this telling me? Wow, it was like, oh, I see why they have those really uh, vibrant pre- and post-ocular stripes as well. It just makes a line of continuity to their the diamond patterns and why do they sit like that well it's because if they're sitting with the head head rested on it 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 creates that illusion that's interesting i hadn't thought of that that's pretty cool and i and i imagine that would differ if they're in a cryptic you know or a kind of resting state like like you saw that elevated right with the body elevated or Mm -hmm. if it's yeah and if you would have hooked it out and posed it it might okay. you, you might you might have missed that you know that that would be uh maybe different uh if it's 
uh, you know, up in its defensive pose or in the S shape or whatever. So no, that's a good point. Yeah. What's your, uh, favorite photo you've taken, Matt? What, what, uh, has been your favorite thing to photograph and what's been your most challenging thing to photograph (laughs) other than the lapids you've already talked about? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Moloch, yeah, full body was probably it's up there. I love that picture. Uh-huh. Plus, it's animal that can't see anywhere else, and wasn't sure if I was going to find one. Yeah, uh, found two. So that's cool. Were those both kind of around Uluru, or were they Alice area? Where'd you find them all? Uh, the first one was on the worst road I've ever been on in my entire life because <laughs> Google told me it was going to be paved all the way, or oh, we thought no. it was going to be paved. That was Route Six going towards uh, or Kings Canyon. Uh-huh. So it's a yeah. shortcut from Alice Springs yeah. there. And yeah. apparently, once you can't drop your pin anymore on Google, it becomes unpaved and just a uh-huh. terrible road for another 150 kilometers. <laughs> uh, so if you if you're gonna go Alice to Kings Canyon, go to the the south the long way yeah <laughs> the long highway you'll get we, there we drove that road and it wasn't maybe it just been what? graded or something but well, it was maybe pretty, it was pretty smooth <laughs> the washboards yeah. were the smoothest uh, part of that road for when we were <laughs> really <laughs> oh, that's rough yeah but that was our little consolation prize was a our first moloch oh, was on the road oh that's cool yeah uh, and then the other one was yeah by uluru yeah there's a little place where we stayed which is a little natural like circle thing and then there's a bunch of reptiles that have been found in there, and that's where that one was one early, super early morning, like before sunrise was oh, out cool. there. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's Did you probably... get any shots with Uluru in the background with the the Moloch? No, not Uluru was too far Maybe. away. Oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was in town where we were staying. Uh, so I wish I did, but yeah, <laughs> the only Uluru no, shots I... I got were yeah, baby sand monitor and the gill and I. Okay. Yeah, that Gil and I shot was cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I have an in situ picture of that one. It was yeah. just out of a street hollow, but then that obviously oh, the Uluru in the background is a post picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But cool. yeah, finding it was exactly how everybody describes a Gil and I would be, you know, mm-hmm. live in tree hollows, Mulga tree hollow. Just came out right when the sun came out. So its tail was still in the hollow. I mean, it was a super cool sight to see. And That's it was awesome. our last day to see him. Yeah. So we actually scoped that place out the day before when it, after it had gotten scorching hot. So I still wanted to see one, hadn't found one yet. And there's a path from Uluru to uh Uluru to like a another area, like a shopping area. And it was just mm-hmm. full of these full of trees. I think they're acacia trees with just bark everywhere off of them. I was like, there's gotta be a gotta be Gil and I here <laughs> somewhere. So <laughs> Like we'll come back on our last day and search again, and yeah, we found one in there. Sure enough, there was a gill and I, just like I had thought there would be. So that's awesome. super cool find. I mean, gill and I have a special place in my heart. First right. monitor I bred, and since I laid eyes on him in uh, uh, Daniel Bennett's book, I was like, "That's the coolest thing I've ever seen." So mm-hmm. <laughs> now I got got to experience it in the wild. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, they're they're pretty uh, bold. Like they they yeah, at least yeah, just let me walk yeah. up and grab it. Yeah, <laughs> or 
better or worse for that thing, but <laughs> I put it back in its hole when I was done. But yeah. 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 That's another, with, yeah, with these posing pictures, you got to respect that animal's time and stress. Mm. So it's like, yeah. get your picture and leave it alone. Yeah. That might, I think some like people that. can, yeah, take, especially if you're in huge groups. I don't like that at all. Like mm. I'm the only, it was me and one other person, like Sierra, but she doesn't take pictures. So just, <laughs> she's my little, my handler <laughs> yeah. while I take the pictures. So, guess, yeah, take some shots. You know, if I get the, the money shot or not, whatever, the animal's more stress level is more important than my picture. So, experiencing it for me is the important part. Mm-hmm. But I do like <laughs> showing it off if I can. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about, I think maybe last week, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but uh, I saw when I was with my wife in Western Australia, we saw Catalineatus, the striped tail monitor. Mm-hmm on a cool. on the base of a tree just in the morning coming out to bask and yeah. and uh it was just it was you know one of those perfect yep just there it is that's that's exactly where i'd expect it to be and instead of trying to get a picture of it first i went for the grab first and of course it disappeared and i never saw it again so but i could you know heidi could vouch that it was there i wasn't yep. crazy you know that i actually saw it but yeah that was kind of the the yeah, bummer, I've been there a couple but, times too. Like, oh, <laughs> I should take that picture. <laughs> Taking the picture. <laughs> so, like the sometimes second, those, yeah, yeah, those in situ, uh, you want to take the natural shot yep. at least so you have some kind of voucher. You know, the like the yeah, the second Glio Palma we saw. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't have the right lens on my camera. Like, stay there, buddy. And I was like yeah. slowly changing my lens, <laughs> and as soon as I got the the zoom lens on, he's like, nope. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh yeah that's <laughs> I, like, I should have just taken a picture with the shorter lens uh-huh. yeah some of those chase, yeah we chase them around a, few, a bit but you mm-hmm. know those things weren't they're not gonna stay around for nothing so yeah you gotta i got a half of a shot kind of that's a decent and then a video of him running in under a rock so uh, got something to prove he was there <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome uh, but yeah I guess sometimes you don't have a choice whether you pose or not, especially yeah, with like a, I mean, a speedy yeah. monitor, like a black palmed uh, monitor. Yeah. Yep. They're so cool though. That, that must've been a, a I, very I cool. Believe it. it was 10 feet away from the Mertens too. Really? It was crazy. Yeah. We saw the Mertens. Uh, and I just saw the head of the Mertens. That's why I wanted to go back the second day. Cause I want to see if that Mertens would still be there. See if I can see something better. So the Mertens was like, had his head out of the water and a bunch of moths. I was like, awesome. And I took a video of it, a picture, and then disappeared in the water. Mm-hmm. Like, huh, well, that was cool. And I walked up the path and then a little, zoop, little lizard zoomed by. I was like, what the? And then it stopped and looked at me. I was like, oh my God, it's a global palma. <laughs> and then it was, yeah, one of the calm ones that went up to the, in the rocky area a little bit and it sat mm-hmm. on a boulder. Let me shove a GoPro in its face, and then, yeah. then I got some pictures, and it slowly walked off, just like my video showed. Like that—that's so cool. Was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, That's a rare occurrence. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, I went back, and the next day, Mertens again was back where it was the first day. It wasn't when we went to the falls, so mm-hmm. we just continued to the falls, and I'd hopped in just because eh, why not? It's yeah. hot, and then but it. On our way back, I checked the spot again. I just saw it go into the water yeah. and slide in the water and then sat there for an hour watching it. I just surfaced, watch it, look at me again a little bit. And then I 
shove a camera in his face, like, nope, and go back down. <laughs> but, but yeah, for like an hour, we were just watching that thing do its thing, which That's I always funny. knew seeing Mertens in the wild would be one of the most entertaining lizards probably ever, yeah. just because of the habitat, most gorgeous habitat I've ever seen. Hmm. Super cool little lizard otters. Like, <laughs> I've worked with them at the zoo a few, a little bit, but yeah. I don't, I don't know, after seeing them and do that, I don't think. I could never keep a Mertens. There's no way I could provide that for right. a lizard. Yeah. So. That's, uh, I, I think if I had to trade place with an animal, it would probably be <laughs> either oh, a Cobarensis, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Pilbar rock monitors out near Python Pool or <laughs> the Hammersleyensis in Dale's Gorge. <laughs> I mean, just such beautiful place to live. And yeah, yeah it was looks like real. a lot of fun they're having. <laughs> crawling around on the rocks and <laughs> yep. yeah that thing didn't look cool. like it had a care in the world other than me and my yeah gopro <laughs> <laughs> did did was that uh trail you you saw those two on was it fairly well trafficked i mean was this glebo probably used uh, to we, people or no what I, don't do think, you think? I think it's it's one of the most common places but we okay. were there before everybody i mean we would yeah. wake up as the like before sunset get there as right as the sun hit the rocks, so nobody was oh, out cool. there yet until we were yeah. well on our way back. Hmm. We had a similar situation with the Pilbarensis in WA, yeah. where we got there just right as, sun, as the sun was rising, and got to see them come out and start their basking and just kind of crawl yeah. around before they're too wary or too heated up, you know, or too yep. fast. <laughs> yeah, basically like for the perfect time to observe monitors. Yeah, for this entire trip, we basically just made ourselves crepuscular. I mean, we'd. Yeah. <laughs> wake up before the sun rose get out there get on a trail find some lizards as the sun's heating everything up then yeah. get back to our hotel right at the peak of you know 45 degrees celsius <laughs> yeah <laughs> take a couple hour nap then get out there as once the sun sets and find some nocturnal stuff so yeah it was many days of maybe two three hours of just sleep when we can eat when yeah. we can. <laughs> I think that's one of my favorite, like on backpacking trips or herping trips, when you can just kind of curl up in a, like in a canyon where it's a little cooler and just kind of yeah. wait out the heat of the day and in the cool shade and in a deep canyon next to water or something. That's one of my ideal places to take a nap, <laughs> <laughs> sleeping on slick rock or something. But yeah. <laughs> did you guys stay in yellow water or did you stay at the crocodile? Crocodile. Yeah. How was that? Yeah, we stayed at the other one. Uh, I mean, it's cool. Constantly, I mean, we weren't there very much, but it's a cool, cool yeah. hotel. <laughs> further yeah. away. That was what I was thinking. But uh, yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, it is further away. But... <laughs> Although it is where we got Eric's phone back. So there you go. That's where <laughs> the German with the phone. <laughs> yeah. That led to the Owen Pelly. <laughs> the... That led to the Owen Pelly. Yeah. So I guess I do have some affinity for the. Beyond, yeah, it looks really cool. <laughs> if, if especially Eric's, aerial shots, yeah, if Eric's yeah. Phone, if Eric's yeah, we're phone staying goes, in a spy. <laughs> if Eric's you? phone goes missing on this next trip, I, I may or may not have uh, tossed it, <laughs> so we have to go back somewhere. <laughs> That's funny. I'm looking yeah, forward for to sure. getting back to Kakadu. It's been been a long time. <laughs> 20, or, and it sounds like you got you didn't really do it that. Uh, no. didn't give it the time that we you would do it justice we will this time basically yeah. a full day yeah so i'm uh well hopefully be uh looking to get some notes from you here <laughs> with, with the planning of the the trip but yeah 
You yeah. got some cool spots. What was your uh, favorite location to photograph stuff on your trip? Yeah, McCook Falls, where the Mertens and the people were. Yeah. That was. Yeah, I've been to Honduras, Western Australia, Northern Australia, or yeah, Northern Territory. I think that was probably the best habitat I've ever seen. Really, just the That's... smooth rocks, the clear water, the yeah. palms and eucalyptus trees everywhere, and then a Merton sitting on a rock in the middle of the stream. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's hard to beat Karajini. I just love that place. I could yeah, I could that was cool there. too. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll have to have to go to Magook Falls and, and compare yeah. and contrast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I did love that area around Uluru too. We we were we actually camped in the parking lot of of the Olgas. Yeah, you broke the law. <laughs> yeah, we did, <laughs> but uh, we didn't get caught, and it was raining. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I was mad because we'd only seen Dor uh, Molochs, and we saw a Dor Western Blue Tongue and a Dor Centralian Blue Tongue, and that's all I've seen of of uh, the. The two blue tongue species. Luckily, we, I've seen a couple. Yeah, we didn't even see DOR blue tongues. I was upset uh, about. That. I was looking for, hoping for both of those, but didn't even see yeah. one dead. Uh, it's a, it's yeah. a good spot to to see both species, but yeah, you know, yeah. heard multis are supposed to be running all over the place down there. No, but I I, <laughs> I've only seen them just shortly after they've gone on the road and gotten hit. It's yeah, driving me yep. nuts. <laughs> Uh, I need to see a live one of either species. This last trip, it wasn't on the road even. It was a DOR underneath a piece of tin of a Western Western blue tongue in South Australia. I'm like, come on, what is the deal? I cannot see a live uh, occipitalis or multifasciata. But you represent are... a real threat to their continued existence, I guess. Yes, huh? I don't know. Maybe I should stop looking for them. Then, yep. then I'll find them alive and healthy, healthy and happy. But <laughs> that's cool yeah yeah I, there's just so many cool places over in australia yeah, and it is it's hard to beat that orange sand too though in the red yeah. center like that is mm-hmm. that is a color you don't see very often yeah that was another uh, landscape <laughs> another one where we, we were just kind of driving between i think we were driving somewhere out there and there was just the sand was just too inviting and i'm like I was with my dad and we're like, let's just pull over and walk around in the sand. <laughs> I, my, my dad was uh, photographing some bullet ants and he didn't notice one that came up and bit him on the toe. Ooh. And so he was kind of limping the rest of the trip. That thing, like it took a couple weeks to heal <laughs> uh, the bullet ant bite. Yeah. So, but I went, I went kind of, you know, looking for reptiles, of course. And there was a, Burton's legless lizard that was cruising around. That was really a neat, it had some kind of like reddish in its pattern because it was on the yeah, red sand, cool. I guess, but it was really pretty. And then I saw a monitor, two monitors. They were like um, doing something, you know, like either combating or, or mating or something. And I interrupted them and one took off this way and the other took off this way. And I'm running with my camera trying to, you know, get them to stop long enough to take a picture. And one just, yep. the one I was chasing dove under the spin effects and just disappeared. And I'm like digging through the sand, trying to find it. But it was uh, a pair of uh, Aremius, the oh, rusty man, desert what? monitor. And so yeah, I, I didn't get it. a picture of it, but yeah, I was looking yeah. for those too. They're yeah. supposed to be found in that little habitat area I was talking about by our hotel, but. Okay. Well, maybe I saw a glimpse of one. I just didn't know because I saw yeah. lots of glimpses of something. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. What was that? Yeah. I don't know. That's gone now. Yeah. But that's the way that goes. 
Yeah. And then there's yeah. also Levis and us there. Mm-hmm. I looked every night for those. Didn't see one. Didn't see unfortunately. one. Unfortunately. Yeah. I didn't see one. I did see a Levis on the road out of Uluru. And it was. Yeah. It we found rained several Levis. Was that? You saw a couple of those out yeah, there? Yeah. We saw a nice red one and then a normal purpley mm-hmm. one. But Cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We saw one scraggly little male that was venturing out during the rain. <laughs> but I guess the rains meant we got to see, you know, waterfalls off of Uluru, which was kind of cool. And yeah, and we misty. did too, but I was depressed because yeah. every yeah. night, every night it rained. Like, uh, and then I had an yeah. Astro tour scheduled and that got canceled because of cloud cover. I was like, oh, I watched hours of YouTube videos trying to figure out how to take Astro photography because <laughs> I wanted to do it over Uluru. <laughs> <laughs> we're all for uh, nothing <laughs> yeah oh, shoot the uh, best laid plans right when you're yeah. planning a trip months in advance it's yeah, really so hard to i was getting yeah weather. super depressed that whole week because i was like mm. nothing's gonna be out it's too cold too rainy like what is happening <laughs> the entire time we we're there and then the next week yeah. looked perfect but uh, saw some goes, stuff right? got Moloch yeah that was, all sorts yeah. of stuff so we were uh, in in Alisari, We were sleeping in uh, one of the canyons again. You know, a local told us, yeah, the signs say don't do it, but nobody ever checks. So we, yeah, so we did it. <laughs> but then the canyon, it was Simpsons Gap, Simpsons yep. Gap that was just kind of out of Alice just a bit, and mm-hmm. and uh, we pretty much stayed there. I think three or four nights in a row, and then uh, the week after I got back, somebody posted a picture of a parenti that was living in Simpson's gap, like just alongside the road in some rock outcrop. And I'm like, we pass that rock outcrop every day. And I saw no yep. parentis. Yeah. The, yeah. the parenti we saw was on top of, uh, uh, what's that called? Stan, Stanley, Stanley Chasm. Um, it's Stanley the Aboriginal Chasm. owned. Yeah. Section of it. Uh, like their, their little consolation prize for the, you know, yeah, people take over there. <laughs> yeah, they're a cool area, but right. So yeah, we went and saw. We saw the chasm, and then there was this little trail that went literally straight up the, the mountain. It's like mm-hmm. experienced or experienced hikers only. We're like, eh, we're experienced enough. <laughs> and we got all the way up there, just out of breath, winded. We're like, okay, that was enough of that because the trail just kept going. But mm-hmm. like, okay, well, we can head down. And on our way down, Sierra actually slipped. I was like, you good? I turned around to look at her. She's like, yep. And I looked down. Just under the cycad was this half-grown juvenile parenti. Uh, I was like, oh, my God, a parenti. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just in the shade of a, you know, super cool plant. That's awesome. So, yeah, just see a parenti here and look right, and you're looking all over Alice Springs, basically. Just yeah. up on a, up on a mountain. That oh, was super cool. Super cool. Yeah, did yeah. it pose for you pretty well, or? Uh, yeah, it stayed around. Like it didn't yeah. appreciate our bold. presence, but it was pretty bold about it. Just you know, did the yeah. slow monitor walks and look at you every couple steps, and then stop. And but yeah. yeah, I got some good shots of him. That's very videos. cool. Yeah, did he then, go yeah, for we... your white background or? <laughs> no, <laughs> only the depth for the they Moloch. Put this poster yeah. Board behind yeah. yeah, I did bring. I brought a piece of poster board just for a Moloch in case we found one. Uh, that's cool. And yeah. I used it because it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we cool. did, we also saw probably yearling printy yeah. also by uh, Catajuda, oh, nice. which I tried to catch that because I wanted to get a Catajuda printy picture, but yeah, he darted away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I got was a shot of him in the grasses, which that was cool. Yes. Cool. The two shot. See mm-hmm. how his pattern blends in with, 
you know, see a black and white lizard, you're like, what's that doing in orange sand? But yeah. then you see him in that bushel of grass, barely can see him. So Gone, huh? they know what they're doing. They figure yeah. it. They figure it out. Whether we do or not, yeah. <laughs> they know what they're doing. <laughs> right. Are the are the juveniles in Central Australia? Are they a little more brightly patterned, like more black and white, or and they kind yeah, of they yellow look, out as they get older? Oh, I, so I found yeah, we saw one in Western Australia too, but I don't see mm-hmm. uh, they were maybe a little bit more patterned. I think the ones we saw in Central okay. Australia than the one I saw in Western Australia. I feel like the Western yeah, Australia they're... one had a more black and then bolder ocelli. Mm-hmm. These were like kind of modeled throughout their whole body. Yeah. I like that model look. They're yeah. Just so <laughs> cool. Such cool lizards. I'm, I'm really hoping to see, I'm going to central Australia in 2025. Of course you're invited uh, to the big birthday bash, yeah. my 50th yeah. out there. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to come, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't think my budget's going to make it yet. I'm a <laughs> yeah. zookeeper budget. Can't go to Australia every, every year. <laughs> well, and you were just there. So, you know, yep. yeah, yeah I, you'll probably have a, I think kind of gotten wiped. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah i'm looking forward to her uh, being central australia no, yeah, I, such i'd, a I'd cool go back region. in a heartbeat yeah did you get to see uh amy yep saw two amy uh i think yeah they're both both in west mcdonald huh. i think yeah yeah Makes sense that's cool that's another yeah, one that's high yeah, on the list that i haven't yep. gotten to see yet so male and a female yeah <laughs> nice yeah was it, yeah, so was the it first every... one, yeah, the first one we saw was there's like one little, literally ten kilometer strip where you can find, I guess where uh, oh I think the the desert death adders are. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's one strip of road where they're always at. So mm-hmm. we tried that one time, but we only did it once one night because it takes so long to get there. It's all the way at the other end of West McDonald from where we were staying. So it took us. You know, technically two and a half hours to get there, but you know we're road cruising, so it took us about four hours to get there. And then didn't see one, so we just turned around, and came back, and on our way back is when we found the AMA. So like three thirty in the morning is when that guy was out. So that made it worse, it, I guess, not getting back yeah. to our hotel till five. <laughs> right. Getting back out at seven thirty. <laughs> but hey, got AMA, my favorite gecko. Yeah. So, Sometimes. Yeah, that's awesome. One little victory yeah. is all that all that it takes. Uh-huh. So, and then <laughs> the other one was a surprise, just random night. Hmm. So. That's cool. Yeah. Did it did it run fast? I've heard they kind of maybe run uh, faster than I wanted it to. It yeah. didn't want to <laughs> didn't want me to take pictures of it either. So I only got like, like maybe two okay yeah. pictures of it just because I was like, okay, you're. If you don't want to do it, then we don't have to. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Another dream species to see. Oh, yeah. I was over the moon. Like, that's nice. a big gecko. Oh, my God. His name yay. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like a that's... white blob in your headlights is what it is. Mm. Huge little white blob on the road. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. Any other uh, cool experiences from... From the trip that just stand out. Uh, the Scalaris was cool just because of where we yeah. we found it. Uh, you you hear stories of you know monitored lizards utilizing uh, termite mounds, mm-hmm. and this one was doing just that. It was on a termite mm-hmm. mound basking when we drove by, and we stopped. And when it mm-hmm. saw us, it had dug out a through and through hole in this 
termite mound that just mm-hmm. used that as a refuse. So that was super cool to see that. But, and yeah. Scalaris was a species that wasn't even on my list to even think about finding. So and that was like our yeah. first lizard we saw. That was really, we went straight into a uh, Lost City because that's where everybody told me where Gleeva Palmer was supposed to be. But I didn't mm-hmm. see any of that. <laughs> so <laughs> terrible road there too. Apparently on our loan agreement for that car, we weren't supposed to drive on that road, which I didn't know until we were halfway down it. Sierra said, we're not supposed to be on this road. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, Lost City was supposed to be cool. We're going. <laughs> so, yeah, that was. Yeah, cool. that was one that we had avoided on the first one because of that being too too uh, abide, contractually abiding or whatever. Uh, but uh, no, yeah. all good. I think we'll have to on the return. We'll definitely make it uh, make it a point for sure. No, you'll see. People have made their own. They, they actually there's a track off the road that people drove on because that's smoother. So yeah, you do that <laughs> yeah. and then you hit. Like a ditch where you can't, so you have to go back on for a little bit and then go back on. <laughs> like that's that's what we did. It was like, oh, this is way easier. Otherwise, you're bouncing around the yeah. whole time. Like, can't even uh, keep your phone charger in for your maps to it bounces right out the USB port. <laughs> so that was a super annoying. Like, Come on, I don't want to know where we're going. But. <laughs> the one that killed me. We were driving through Carajini uh, on one of the dirt roads. And then mm-hmm. I found out uh, after we'd driven you know, this long dirt road, there was a paved road that paralleled it. <laughs> and we could have we driven that instead. I'm like, dang That's it. Rough. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. It was a bad road, too. Those, Yeah, uh, we tried they, useless loop for mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe 10 kilometers. We're like, we can't. This is, we're not doing this. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were driving that bones very are slow. Rattling ever yeah. since. <laughs> <laughs> right. But. Yeah, uh, Steve said, yeah, go useless loop. There's cool stuff there. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, my God, Steve. We're not. No, no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it being that bad. But I don't know. Yeah. I guess we're in a little car. But I don't yeah. Know. It, it must, have, must have been okay. But that, yeah, Carragini Road was horrible in that car. We just, yeah. I'm surprised we survived that. <laughs> like, as far the car survived it. But Yeah, we had and, a huge and, Toyota 4Runner, and that was, that was oh, rough really? on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In, in South Australia, there was a lot of dirt road driving, and at one point, I noticed that there was dust just filling in the car, like it was just coming in from somewhere. I'm like, "What is happening? Where is this dust coming from?" It was terrible. And yeah, after the trip, it was just covered, like in, inside, it was like a quarter inch thick dust layer over everything. It was terrible. Yeah. Uh, the things we do, right, to get to cool places. Yeah. <laughs> an adventure every time worth it though yeah the worst thing that happened was a bird flew into the car like they were chasing each other these apostle birds they're really cool weird looking birds but they were chasing each other and one just headlong into our bumper and knocked out the sensor of the like the the front sensor and so you know it's always like sensor is out you know every five minutes it would flash some (laughs) warning i'm like gosh dang it and and it happened like on the second day of the trip i'm like come on i had to drive a week with that flashing at me (laughs) Uh, that was annoying yeah that road the king's canyon was that was scary like every 10 feet there's just flat tires on the side of the road so my little butthole was clenched for about eight hours it's like don't pop a tire don't pop a tire right (laughs) get us through the and then we'd get teased because every time there's there's two intersections and they'd pave it right where the intersection was. So it hit the You're pavement. Like, like oh, we did it. And we sit there like, all right, two wheel drive. We're, we made it. And then you round a corner. It's back to the terrible road. Yeah. Oh my God. No. 
sometimes it's hard to figure out the how passable a road is, you know. Yeah. You, you Google can says two and a half hours, you drop a mm-hmm. pen, like, yep, it's paved. And then yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope, it's not. Eight hours and not paved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that can makes for some interesting situations, but um all right. Any other points that you've got in regards to photographing herbs? I thought of one kind of on Rob's side is the legality. You know, if you're not allowed to manipulate snakes or, or reptiles in certain regions. Now, obviously, that's kind of the, the rule in some parts of Australia, but I see most Australians breaking that rule. So I don't feel too bad about it. But I guess technically, if, you know, a ranger caught you doing something like that, then you could get in trouble. But um, Heck, even if you go to our PA... Uh, New Jersey yeah. trip, right? If the yeah. if we had gone one step further and it's like looking through our photos or whatever, then uh, a wanker shot or you know, um, I mean, we might have taken some other trips last year that where that uh, certain things might not have looked great, like if they'd yeah. gone back in the camera roll or whatever. So yeah. yeah, I think there's something to that, but I don't know. I, I think there's an argument for both sides, right? And particularly, I, I do find your argument compelling in terms of a beautiful beautifully situated animal in situ meaning like posed but in situ i think is probably sort of my favorite photo to look at as you say because it's instructive relative to those conditions and things and you know at the same time an unposed photo if you can genuinely come upon it without disturbing it or whatever you know both as a voucher shot and as a this is it in its natural state as opposed to the death adder that's in its defensive posture and all this i think both those things have a ton of value although you know, that being said, death adders that are in that defensive posture, man, they look really pretty. So I, yeah. I totally understand that yeah. as a compelling, you know, art art argument as well. Yeah, I like both too, but yeah, I will say I get more jealous of nice post pictures than just a regular, just a snapshot of the animal where it was. But yeah, like, man, I want to be able to do that. <laughs> well and and some to of the admit- time too right yeah so yeah. what i was gonna sort of reminds me of the you mentioned the astrophotography you mentioned you know we're mm-hmm. talking about stuff with this post i think the part maybe the part that is a, a truth that's not really out there is you know i think ross's well so the question always becomes if you can look at a photo right and if the whole thing is in focus and all looks awesome then that's art. That's not a photo- uh, a singular photo. That is yeah. 10 images, 20 images, 30 images that are made to get to make a beautiful piece of art that it is both true to the animal in the sense of being this is an animal that exists in the world, right, and in their habitat or whatever. But that isn't – I shouldn't be looking at that saying – why can't I recreate that photo with my camera? Well, hey, you probably almost certainly have a more expensive camera than I do, but also that's not a singular photo that could be taken where both this, the you know stars that are uh, however many you know tens of thousands of miles away are in focus, and this animal that's six inches in front of the the camera is in focus. That doesn't exist. That's not a thing. That's a, a beautiful piece of art to look at, and even can be true to the species. But that's to me, there is some misrepresentation to the extent that someone who isn't aware of that will take that in as like, why can't I make that out with my $200 camera or whatever, right? There's a little bit of falsity to that to me. Yeah, that 
was kind of what true. I was going to say. There's some <laughs> that are like neon that you're like, there's no way that animal looks like that. It's, you know, but I mean, they're, tra- it's fun to look at them and, you know, it yeah. might kind of show the ultimate of what they could look like. Ultimate if- potential. <laughs> it was, it was that. Yeah. I don't yeah. even mean so much that it's just everything being, Oh wow. This yeah. beautiful landscape. All of which is in focus and the stars are in focus mm-hmm. and the animal that's six inches away is in focus. And it's like, but it doesn't look flat. That's not one photo. That's yes, 10 photos, that 15 images, photos, yeah. whatever Stacked, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not against yeah. that. I guess the only, to the extent that I, you kind of think it's a little morally questionable. It's just if it's being presented as like, yeah, well, I mean, I guess you just can't make a photo look like this. You're just <laughs> not as good as me, but, you know, yeah. and that's not yeah. saying that Ross says that, but it, to the extent that you see some of that, that became a Herper bro thing for a bit there where yeah. it's probably frankly too much work for the Herper bros for the most part, you know, mm-hmm. more, you know, the more negativity around, uh, well, I've only seen 45 alternatives tonight, so it's fine. You know, whatever. I guess I could take a picture of the last one too, but um, no, that's gratuitous on my part. I apologize. <laughs> well, any uh, any other parting thoughts? Um, things that have come to mind that you haven't gotten a chance to get out there. Yep. Get- I mean, sometimes I look at these, like the Cleveland Palma pictures I took. Like, man, if only I had that in my hands and I could pose it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Images I could have made for that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Now I got some good natural pictures of them. But yeah. Well, and, and yeah, the shots you got head. were amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you could have done amazing things, but heck, that's. And I wonder to, you know, at some point, right, is Justin, you had mentioned, right, the Walter Mitty quote or, mm-hmm. you know, idea of like, if you're doing that, to what extent are you diminishing your own experience of. Mm-hmm being with that animal, yeah. right? And that's something I yeah. struggle with myself. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta... Was... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you gotta struggle. You gotta, yeah, balance that. Like, who cares if you didn't get the picture, you just experienced, like, this animal you might never see again in your life, so... Yeah. Yeah, you And I guess on the flip... The flip side of that, too, is even if it's a crappy photo, you can look back and recall the experience. It kind yep. of brings, brings those feelings, brings that excitement back, more so than if you're just looking through Facebook or Instagram and you see it, you know, if you didn't experience it, but if you like kind of, I guess, piggybacking on last week's discussion of, you know, uh, herping solo versus herping with a group, you know, when you're with a group of friends and you've, you've all had that same experience and, you know, you can see even the crappiest picture from that day and go, that was a good experience. That was, you know, bring those, those feelings up to the surface. Oh yeah. Several crappy pictures of, Lizards that are like, I want to catalog it at least, like, snap, snap, snap. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's, like, darting away from me. Like, I mm-hmm. want to know, look up what you are later, at least. <laughs> exactly. Say that I saw you. But, yeah. Like, Pinotas were, I'm sure I saw probably 15 different Pinotas species, so I pictured those because <laughs> they're there and gone, like, under a rock. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, a black and white striped skink, I'll mark that down, see what that was. <laughs> yep. It helps and a even lot, that, too. It turns out, the, oh, this, this yeah. species differentiation, you need to look at the, the toe pads on yeah. the rear feet or whatever, and it's like, oh, well, okay. That's not yeah, It's happen. like those fat-tailed diplodaculus. I didn't know there's three different species that look the same. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, they oh, I thought this was conspicuatus. It. It's the other yeah. one. It's like, oh, it's tail tip. is like half a millimeter longer. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Bumpy scales. You got to bring the ruler and the, the coin and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I yep. just took a picture of its face. <laughs> but, yeah. 
it's funny. Well, I, I think the main thing is, is get out and herp and find some cool stuff to photograph, whether you pose it or whether you take in situ or whether you take a crappy iPhone shot like me, because I've given up. <laughs> I I guess I look at everybody else's pictures and I go, man, I just, I don't have the patience or the, and it doesn't stick in my brain for some reason, the, these photography skills. My dad has them, my brother has them, but it skipped me for some reason. So I let people like uh, you and Rob take uh, these professional photos with their with their uh, nice cameras. And I just get down there with my iPhone, take a couple shots. And sometimes they turn out all right. I, I mean, these phones we yeah. have are <laughs> almost as crazy. Oh, almost my. better than the best cameras we had t- 10 20 years ago you know all my it's habitat crazy. shots and ulu shots are on on my iphone yeah. and they're incredible yeah. yeah yeah sometimes i get a shot on my iphone i'm like it's better than the shot that i took with my nice camera so yes yeah. i'm like so 10 years yeah. into trying to figure out for photography and i still know what i'm doing so yeah it's i mean it's Get, definitely better skill. by the day but yeah still, some of that camera functionality like right Mm -hmm. it's almost you're you're being lost in a sea of choice and the ability Mm -hmm. to make all these variants whereas the iphone it's not you don't have that level of modularity (laughs) so that it's like "Eh, just click the button dude you know that sort of thing as opposed to you know all these different settings that you can manipulate and it's like well i don't need a fancier camera because i'm already confused by what i have right (laughs) so there's already way above way beyond me in terms of what this thing could do that i that i can't even access so I think there is something to be said for that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I went with, uh, I've gone on a few backpacking trips with my cousin, who's a semi-professional photographer. And when he's got a shot in mind, <laughs> like you could be there for hours <laughs> staring at the mm-hmm. same thing. And he's just focused on this one shot. You know, I, my dad was with him one time and he turned around and there was this beautiful sunset behind him. And he's like, Oh, you might want to check. He's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm looking this way. So my dad turned around took some shots and they're beautiful pictures, you know, but he wanted the other, the other view and, and was waiting for his shot. And yeah, it's pretty intense. You know, I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah, that's not me. I'm too impatient for that. <laughs> Yeah. It's also much I've, much easier and lighter to travel if you're not yeah. you don't have camera gear on your back. So. Right, it's in your pocket. You don't have the camera swinging around, hitting you in the yeah. chest when you're trying to climb a rock <laughs> and throwing you off balance. And yeah, it's yeah. another reason. I or the feelings going the... through your mind as you're smacking it into the room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, that expensive lens into the rock. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. The the last trip uh, to South Australia, there was a alpine blue tongue on the side of the road. And I'm like, stop, stop, stop! And I jump out of the car, and my camera goes with me and hits the <laughs> the road. I'm like, no. <laughs> Uh, it, luckily it was okay, but yeah, it was like seeing uh, my camera die before my eyes, but luckily it was saved. <laughs> uh, well, cool, cool discussion. And, uh, even cooler to think about the animals you're out there photogra- photographing and <laughs> the, uh, the regions that you're in. Just, I just love, you know, Australia, of course. And I think we share a lot of uh, the same favorites there, uh, Amy and, yeah. uh, and, I will say, go, cool. getting into reptiles, I was on your website too many times. Like, I'll show you an addiction. <laughs> and then especially the geckos, like, these are the Vasper, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lo and behold, That's I became the... friends with Steve, who yeah. had those Asper. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. He bought Gil and I for me, because he liked That's Gil and I. That's right. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. yeah. Did, did he get the Kims from you, too, or is that from somebody No, else? he got those from Nadine Cold Blood, I think. Brandon, yeah, what's his nuts? Yeah. 
Aston, Austin. Yeah. 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 Too many, too many cool animals for sure. But yeah. Well, we, we appreciate you coming on. Um, and, yeah, an uh, epic trip, man. Yeah. That's so yeah, cool. For sure. You guys saw some cool stuff for sure. Um, where can people find your, uh, your photos and, uh, Instagram at mtgen for most of my reptile stuff. And then my at home stuff is at bloody goannas. Okay. Nephris and now you're a mastix, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now where, where did that name come from? <laughs> uh, it's a play on words from when I had blood pythons and monitor lizards. Uh, okay. I thought it was funny. Bloody goanna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now everybody thinks I'm from Australia or England. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh well. You're just cursing at a glebo yeah. that's running away from you. Stupid lizard. <laughs> <Bloody Goanna. laughs> yeah. uh, so I thought cool. it was funny, so I just kept it. <laughs> Went with it. Nice. Yep. Right on. Well, any uh cool things you've seen over the last uh week or so in the news or herp related that's cool? I got a couple books. Uh I don't know if I talked about these on the last time, but I got the uh Complete guide to the snakes of Southern Africa. That's pretty exciting. And it's kind of convincing me I need to go to South Africa at some point here. And, and then I got that Boas of the West Indies book. Just They're yeah. cool, cool snakes. And I need to be able to hang with Rob in conversation. So maybe I'll have to read this book and <laughs> learn something about those darn live bearers. <laughs> I've always been so opposed, but I'm softening a little, I guess. Your cutting egg agenda to kind of meet, <laughs> you get a little headbutting there, right? There you go. The um, Was the complete, uh, was the South Africa book, is that out of the Dartholapis Snakes and Stogies uh, book club? Or they they talked about so many African focus. Was that from yeah. that or no? I, I'd, I'd gotten it before, well, before I listened to it. I'm not sure if I got it before they recorded it. But yeah, I, I listened to that the other day. I'm like, oh, maybe... <laughs> I, I can't remember if they talked about it, but it's, you know, it's a field guide. So it's just kind of the photos and talking about their natural history and stuff. But there's some pretty cool, pretty cool snakes in South Africa. And there's a, a new edition of the other kind of companion book. This is John uh, Mar- Marius or Marius, whatever mm. his name is. Mm-hmm. And he's got, yeah, a, yeah. yeah, he's got one coming out of the reptiles of Southern Africa. So I think I'll pick that one up too, just because it's. I mean, the, the real interest I think I have in South Africa is the tortoises and the lizards, <laughs> some of the, you know, chameleons and stuff like that. And the flat lizards, the, you know, yeah, some of those things would be cool to see out in the wild, but the tortoises are just yeah. incredible out there. And then, you know, the, uh, cordless, uh, yeah, cool, cool stuff. So yep. someday, someday I'll, I'll make it over to South Africa. Too many places. Right. In what about you, Matt? To see first. Yeah. For what? Any News? any cool Just things any... to report? <laughs> uh, any no, the cool, latest thing cool... I thought mm-hmm. thought was that eyelash viper breakdown, but I'm sure oh. some people are probably upset about it. <laughs> Is that they split them into different species? Several species, yeah. I missed that. So I'm sure a lot of people have hybrid yeah, eyelash I mean... vipers now, but. The interesting thing, right, is a lot of those are coming from places that don't really export or don't export in quantities. So I don't know, you know, yeah, certainly I had the same sort of thought process on the front end. On the back end, looking into it, I was like, yeah, I mean, Ecuador has been mostly closed to entirely closed for a really long time. And that's, you know, I was kind of like, yeah, maybe it's not as bad as it seems. It's not just saying, 
Yeah. They're all they're all uh, have a monotype presentation, and so to the extent that we consider them super variable, that means they're all hybrid. It's not saying that. It's saying you know just within yeah. these pockets or whatever that they've looked at. Uh, but yeah, the same sort of thought for sure. Um, in terms of things that are exciting to me, so one of them, uh, Nipper pointed out, and then I saw on Facebook, I mostly off of it save Messenger, but uh, he highlighted, and then I saw that Mark had highlighted this as well, is that now on Amazon Prime, the first season of O'Shea's Big Adventure, uh, in this case, the America's version, so the, yeah, that whole 13 episodes, is available on Amazon Prime, at least in the U.S., for purchase for 21 bucks or so, but you can download those and Maybe that's a good thing in the sense that maybe it's less likely to just randomly disappear than if you weren't paying for it as a download and extra and all that. So I've checked out a couple of those, remembering having seen them, particularly the uh, Golden Lancehead one. You know, it's fun seeing, you know, Mark from, what is it, 25 years ago now and all this stuff and just sort of his presentation. And at the same time, you see the front end of reality TV where the producers maybe accurately are presenting like that uh, Mark and his sort of his style or style of interactivity with the animals has his Brazilian hosts very uh, concerned for his well-being and all these things and all this sort of stuff. So I don't know, you know, that would be interesting. And I still got to finish out uh, his second show when he'd come on with uh, Nipper and Phil. But, uh, and the reason isn't because of lack of interest. It's because I want to be super zoned in and listening. And at the same time, it's a little trying, so I, I need to be in the right headspace. So I just haven't quite gotten there. But I have checked out the first couple episodes of those again. And, it, yeah, both of them, it's like, oh, I remember seeing this before, the Bushmaster and the, the Atlantic Coast Bushmaster and the Golden Lancehead. Um, the other thing that goes further back is there was a So Much Pingle episode where he talked to Hans Brower, who has been in Taiwan and then lived in uh, Sarawak mm-hmm. for a long time. What's and he his, had a couple uh, books. username? Didn't he have kind of uh, a weird username? I think it's in there. So it's uh, H-A-N-S, and then it's B-R-E-U-E-R. Um, <sighs> Maybe I'm thinking And I think it's else. in there if you just search it in Instagram. It's yeah. basically like more or less like that. Not many posts, a half dozen, something like that. Okay. Uh, but the point is that he's <laughs> written a couple books, one in 2012, mostly on field herping in Taiwan, which I ordered off of a books. It was funny that uh, – the whole discourse around Schmitty getting the uh, the updated class Peter Schultz yeah. old world rat snake thinking that Abe Books was the seller or whatever and Phil kind of going in on him about that. So that was pretty good. Um, yeah. And the uh, the other, though, 2023 is on Amazon for 25 bucks or something like that. So I got that, and that's the uh, – what is it? A Greenhorn Naturalist in Borneo. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about both those books, and I really enjoyed that interview where Mike talked to him. I thought it was really compelling stuff, really long form for Mike's show and all that. And yeah, really good. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. I like uh, yeah. Mike's podcast. It's fun to any, any, uh, herping podcast is, is good in my book, I think. And the funny thing about that, right. Is I, either the episode before or after, you know, I'd gotten a little bit behind on it. He talked to a handful of folks when in Peru, right. So they go on the trips and they're kind of talking through stuff. And there's an episode where he talks to three people in a singular episode. And one of them has, uh, started mixing in trips. I think a Canadian guy who'd herped in Ontario and then herped in the U S and then added, uh, Australia to it. 
But the mm-hmm. funny thing is he was talking about, I believe it was taking a picture of a Moloch in front of Uluru. So he got the Moloch Uluru <laughs> shot uh, that reminded me from our conversation. So that was another great episode, too, that's uh, kind of three different people with different perspectives and all and experience and all that. But uh, I thought that one was really good as well. Nice. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, that's great stuff. Well, um, thanks again, Matt, for coming on and uh, appreciate your insights and the the light, the debate that's been, um, some really good, uh, topics brought up. So, um, we appreciate, uh, NPR radio and allowing us to have our podcast on their uh, site and, and, uh, under their umbrella and appreciate Eric and the good work he does and Owen as well. And we, uh, we'll catch you next week for another episode of Reptile Fight Club. Fight Club.